0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's worship with the Village Church community here in Southern California and all around the world. As we gather, let me remind you that you may be in touch with us for expressing your prayer concerns or communicating other messages or simply to continue your generous financial giving using the addresses that are printed now on your screen. This coming Saturday, we will be having a food and clothing drive-through collection for New Day Ministries, formerly known as Presbyterian Urban Ministries. That will be 10.30 in the morning till 12.30 just after noon. Our youth ministry is conducting that drive and would encourage you to be generous with those who find themselves in particular need in this very difficult season. We continue to plan for worship on Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 11 o'clock at the campus of the church. That may change based on California regulations, so pay attention to all of the messages that you get from me uh, via your email. Our alternative Christmas market continues online. You may go to the church website and download the catalog as well as make your selections for giving those gifts that will honor the ones that you love, but also then support the ministries of mission and service and support that we engage in with partners both here locally and throughout the world. My backdrop today for worship is a wonderful set of uh, flowers, a beautiful arrangement given by Laverne Briggs to celebrate the life of her son Jimmy, as well as her husband Blaine, both of whom now are with the Lord. So thanks, Laverne, for those flowers. We also have a beautiful nativity painting that was done by our own Mike Kendall. So Mike, thanks for sharing your artistic gifts with us. We are having communion today, as you can see, so let me encourage you to be sure to have your communion elements prepared as we move on through worship. Our call to worship today is provided for us by Charity Atkins, our Children's Ministries Director. She will be speaking to the child in all of us as she lights the second candle of the Advent wreath.
1: Good morning, Kids Village, and welcome back for another Kids Message. Today, we're going to be lighting our second Advent candle of prophecy. This morning, we're going to be talking about what Advent continues to mean for us, and we're going to start by reading a couple verses out of the Bible. Coming from Isaiah 40, 3 through 5, it says this morning, A messenger is calling out. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make a straight road through it for our God. Every valley will be filled in. Every mountain and hill will be made level. The rough ground will be smoothed out. The rocky places will be made flat. Then the glory of the Lord will appear and everyone will see it. The Lord has spoken. This is an example of a prophecy that was made about the birth of Jesus and the coming of our King. The candle of prophecy is a reminder that those stories and prophecies that were told became true. Those weren't just things that were told out of vain and for nothing. God wants us to know this morning that he kept his promises and that he's going to keep his promises for us today. So if you have your candles ready this morning, go ahead and light the candle that we lit last week, which is the candle of hope. We're going to go ahead and light that one this morning along with our second purple candle of prophecy. Be reminded this morning that God has so many great and wonderful plans for your life. And this is a moment in time where we get to learn more about who Jesus is and to really ground ourselves in the faith that we can have in him and the fact that he kept all of those promises so long ago. We miss seeing all of you, but we will see you back here next week for another Kids Message during this Advent season. Bye-bye.
2: Our Savior in Jesus Christ has come to us and to the world with his hope, with his love, with his joy, with his salvation. With that truth and that reality, that affirmation, let us come before God with our prayer of confession. Let us confess together. Almighty God, who sent a star to guide the Magi to the Holy Child Jesus, we confess that we have not followed the light of your word. We have not searched for signs of your love in the world or trusted good news to be good. We have failed to praise your Son's birth and refused his peace on earth. We have expected little and hoped for less. Forgive our doubt and renew in us all fine desires so we may watch and wait and once more hear the glad story of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Friends, sisters and brothers in Christ and people of God, hear and receive, believe and trust in the good news of God in Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ for the life of the world. Receive him into your hearts, into your homes, into your lives, into the world, and know that God's peace, love and joy and salvation is for you and for us. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Because God has given us peace with Him and with one another, let us share signs of Christ's peace and joy and love with each other. I invite and encourage you to do so with your loved ones, with your neighbors, with your friends, not only this day, but throughout this season and every day. Amen.
3: It shines. The night is still. Shepherds watching from the I close my eyes to see the night when love was born. A perfect child gently waits. A mother. Bears God's face, I close my eyes to see the night when love was
4: born.
3: Angels fill the midnight sky, and they say, That led through your small door came the hope we've waited for. The world was changed forevermore when love was born I closed my eyes.
5: Let us turn our hearts in prayer to the Lord. I will lead us in a pastoral prayer and then invite you to join me in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray and give praise to God. Almighty God, we truly give you thanks and praise for who you are and your bountiful love. In this season of Advent, you show us again the abounding love of the one in whom we put our trust, your Son, Jesus Christ. On the second Sunday of Advent, we remember the faithfulness of your people, especially those who waited for the Messiah. We thank you that in your perfect timing, you sent your son to us, the Christ child, who grew and in all things faithfully did your will. Obedient to you, Father, Christ Jesus died for us and rose for us. He lives with you and will come again. We proclaim in the season of Advent, we faithfully await your kingdom to be fully established here on earth as we await Christ's return. We thank you, Lord, for your table set in preparation of our partaking of the taste of your kingdom feast. We thank you that having confessed our sins and in preparation for hearing and receiving your word, we will share this communion together in a few moments. We lift our hearts in prayer for those who have not yet tasted of this life with Christ. We commit ourselves afresh to faithfully continue to share your good news, your everlasting love, and mercy to all people. God of all creation, heal the land, heal your people, restore our world and keep us faithful to serve you in bringing justice to every corner and every person. Let us gather all people to sit at your table with our God. Nourish us in our worship that we may seek to praise your will and to reflect your grace and mercy in all we do and ask. Amen.
6: Let us begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God, The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now these verses from Psalm 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. And from the second letter to Peter. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and the thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We finish with the opening verses of the Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. The word of the Lord.
0: Are you comfortable right now? Perhaps you're sitting on the couch with a plate of bacon in one hand and a plate of donuts and bagels in the other. Maybe you're sitting in your favorite easy chair by the fireplace, all warm and cozy. Maybe you're propped up in bed with your computer on your lap. Wherever you are, let's admit that we all love to be comfortable. We crave comfort. We work for comfort. And when our comfort is taken away from us, we're not happy campers. Much of life is uncomfortable right now for us and, of course, for others. Some of us are uncomfortable because we're wearing masks. Hot, itchy, inconvenient masks. Some of us are uncomfortable because we can't visit our family or our friends and we miss their hugs and their laughter. Some of us are uncomfortable because we've had to cancel that long-awaited vacation, and we just can't wait to get out of town again. Some of us are uncomfortable because we're wondering how to pay the bills. Or maybe the computer's just been hacked. Some of us are uncomfortable because we're sick with COVID-19, or because we're mourning the death of someone we love. We're all uncomfortable for a variety of reasons, I suppose. We could list even more things. We're, We're uncomfortable because of climate change, and the economy worries, and the new administration, and the old administration, and what Russia and China are up to, and whether America's going to last much longer. I could go on. But let's also remember something, that our time is not the first time that people have been uncomfortable. Let's talk about Isaiah's time. From about the year 550 to 515 before Jesus was born, this particular section of Isaiah, from which we're studying this morning, was written. The situation in Israel was almost beyond grim. The Babylonian Empire had conquered what was left of Israel, and many of Israel's citizens had been deported and carted off into exile in Babylon. Others had been left in Israel to pick up the pieces of a destroyed economy, destroyed agriculture, destroyed buildings, destroyed lives. Those who had been taken to Babylon in some ways were actually better off. While they lived there, they were allowed simply to live peacefully and engage in commerce and and take care of themselves, And, and economically, physically, they were probably more or less okay. Their struggles had to do with the fact that they now lived in a foreign land where their gods, their religion, their way of life was not respected. They had to deal with the fact that everything that they believed about the nature of the world and themselves and how to live life had been called into question and then obliterated, and they were struggling to maintain their spiritual and psychological health. The folks back home, were starving. Some were homeless. They were worried about constant attacks, not just from Babylon, but from other armies. They were grieving the loss of their way of life and the separation that they felt so deep in their hearts from their loved ones, from their God, from the way things had been. Truth be told, whether they were exiles in Babylon or poor folks left back home, they were way worse off than you and I are right now. So what does Isaiah say? What does Isaiah counsel? What word does he have from God? Does he say that God simply doesn't care anymore? That God doesn't have the power to do anything about their plight? Does he say that maybe God is not real, that other gods are real, or at least other gods are more powerful? The gods of the Babylonians, for instance? Does he counsel that we should give up and give in? Here's Isaiah's word that is the word from the Lord. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. To Jerusalem. Isaiah's message and the message of all Scripture, the message of true Christian faith, is that no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad we are, God never gives up hope for us. God never gives up hope For his world. The biblical scholar Paul Hansen writes that Isaiah strove passionately for the preservation of the community from cynicism and despair, with the conviction that life is not driven by arbitrary forces, but is guided by a loving God who remains true to a universal plan. Let's look at all of these scriptures from this perspective. Let's think about so many of the words and thoughts that are jammed into these brief passages. Speak tenderly. Not angrily. Not not, not with violence, but speak tenderly. A debt has been paid. Glory has been revealed. Favor has been given. Fortunes have been restored. Sins have been forgiven. Pardon is granted. Salvation is accomplished. Patience is applied. The promise is kept. And it all boils down to good news. What's the main message of Scripture about God? God has not given up. God will not ever give up. God will win. Therefore, and so, you and I cannot just leave it that way. We have to ask, so what? What is the therefore? What is the and so? Well, right now I have a question to ask you, and I want you to take this to heart. You might want to pause this recording after I ask these questions and think about what you want to do from here. Do you want to know what you are supposed to do about what God has done? Do you want to confront the possibility that your life might need to change? Maybe you'd rather just keep on going whatever way you're going and not let God get All that involved in your life? Think about those questions and then decide whether or not you want to continue listening. I'll wait. Okay, you ready to keep going? Let's continue. Let's talk about the Gospel according to Mark. Mark says, this is the good news about Jesus. Jesus is here with us. God has arrived to be with us. Our Savior is born. Mark begins by telling us about John the Baptist, who told us about Jesus and what Jesus was going to say. John the Baptist said what Jesus then said, repent. Change your ways. Accept and follow Jesus' love and Jesus' leadership for your life. That's part of the good news. The good news is that God gives us his comfort. The good news is also that God calls us. God invites us. You might even say God commands us then to do something about what he has done. 2 Peter adds this dimension. He says, you know, God is being patient with us. God is being patient so that we have plenty of time to hear the message of the good news and then to respond to the message of good news. Well, let me suggest for all of us what this response actually looks like in a real human life. Not Jesus's life right now, but your life and my life and the kinds of lives that that everybody lives. What does a response to the good news of Jesus look like? Well, what about when the electric power goes out? Lots of us lived without electricity for a while, these last few days. Maybe some of us still are. When the electric power goes out, do we simply throw up our hands in anger and frustration and say, well, there he goes again? Or maybe we call some friends and say, has your power gone out? Come on over to my place. How does the good news work itself out? when something so minor as a power outage occurs? How about when your plans get changed for you? I'm a big planner. Most of the people I know love to plan. We love to think that that when we make a plan, it's going to happen that way, but that's not the way life is ever, and certainly that's not the way life is right now. When your plans get changed for you, Do you throw up your hands? Do you get angry? Do you get frustrated? Do you quit? Do you blame other folks for what's going on? Or do you say, no, God might be in this. Maybe God is directing me another way, a better way. What about when you get sick? All of us like to think that we can conquer any disease, conquer any problem, and then we get sick and we find ourselves physically unable to do what we want to do. I have a good friend right now who has a chronic, debilitating, and probably at some point life-ending illness. And he's fond of saying that that his happiness and his comfort is not what life is all about, that his life is all about doing what God wants him to do. That's what the good news looks like in a human life when you get sick. How about when someone you love dies? If you live long enough in this world, you surely will encounter that crisis when someone who you love is no longer with you. What does the good news look like then? Do you give in to your depression? Do you give in to your grief? Do you decide that life is not worth living? No. The good news means that you move through your depression. You move through your grief. You decide that life is maybe even more precious than you used to think it was because you realize what a gift it is. And then you use that gift more wisely. What about when someone fails you or you fail someone else? That's a hard one. Do you forgive yourself? Do you forgive another? Do you say, that's okay, let's work on this and let's keep going? What about when you lose all your possessions? A few houses have burned down lately, many more in the past, of course. We're all familiar with that in Southern California. What happens when you lose your possessions, all those precious things that you have had? Are the things the source of your happiness, or is the God who loves you the source of your happiness? What about when you lose your job? What about just when things don't go your way? Maybe when your life is torn apart by disease or economic disruption, or war. All of those are terrible things of life, some worse than others, of course. But the good news of the gospel means that that we keep on going, that we do not give in to despair or cynicism, that we hold on to our hope, that we begin again, and again, and again. That's what God does. Therefore, that's what we also do. You know, in some ways, the most revealing and compelling story about God is when God started over. It's a story about a baby. A story about a brand new person born into the world. God In Jesus, Jesus who is God. I've been learning a lot from babies these last few years. I've been learning a lot by observing and interacting with brand new people. Here's some of the things I've learned. Brand new people are not cynical, they're not worn out, they're not jaded, they're not depressed, they're not ready to give up. In fact, they're just the opposite. They're curious, they're learning, they're experimenting, they're growing, they're taking on the world. What I have learned and am still learning from all babies, and what I learned from the baby, the brand-new person who came into the world is to be like them, to be curious, to keep learning, to keep experimenting, to keep growing. If anything, I've learned to do that not so much just for my sake, but for theirs. Some people are ready to give up on the world. They're ready to give up on other people. They're ready to say, we can't do it any better than we've done it. In fact, it's so terrible, why even try? But you know, God keeps giving us brand new people. And for the sake of those brand new people in the world, for my children and yours, for my grandchildren and yours, and for their children who come after them, The very least we can do is to keep on going, to keep beginning again. That's what God did. Jesus, God, took the trouble to enter into our world, and he took the trouble of the world on himself. He sacrificed himself to the trouble of our world, and then he conquered it all in his death and resurrection. That's what you and I affirm. That's what we proclaim. That is the thing that we commit ourselves to again and again and again as we celebrate the birth of this brand new person into the world and as we celebrate in the way that he taught us to celebrate in the sacrament. That's one of the other compelling and revealing pictures of of our faith, not a baby, not a new person, but a meal. A simple meal. A meal of bread that represents a body broken and wine that represents blood spilled. A meal that feeds us over and over again so that we begin again and again and again. Ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you now to partake with me and all others who are part of the Christian community. This table, this meal, this opportunity to begin again is available to everyone at all times. There are no exceptions. As we come to this meal, we remember that on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and then he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you.
4: Eat it and remember me.
0: In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the sign of the new covenant, sealed in my blood. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of Jesus Christ
4: until he comes again.
0: Let me invite you now to reflect for a few moments as you take this meal, to think and ponder deeply about the good news of God's new beginning in Jesus that God offers to us every day. Reflect on that now as we all hear these words and beautiful music of that ancient hymn, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence.
7: Let all mortal fly
0: Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you that once again you have come to us to offer yourself to us in the life of the baby who grew to be the man who was and is our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our Friend. We thank you that in this sacrament, in this time of sharing, in being fed by Your Word, that we have been reminded that we can always hold on to hope, because You always hold on to us in hope and in the conviction that through us and through the movement of Your Spirit in us, we are about the business Of making your world into the place that you mean for it to be. We thank you for strengthening us, we thank you for encouraging us, we thank you for filling us again with your hope, and we pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Some of you may remember that very popular saying from a few years ago that I still sometimes see on bumper stickers or placards on the wall. It's a saying that goes this way, please be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. You know, sometimes I meet people and I wonder, has God even started with you yet? And truth be told, I have to ask that question of myself. Have I let God really start the business of making me into who he wants me to be? Have you allowed God to start with you? What are you doing today to invite God into your life, to give you hope, to give you faith, to give you love, to give you the will and the desire and the burning passion to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with him? That's the question that we need to ask as we leave here today, and a question that I pray you will answer in the affirmative. Yes, God, come and start over with me yet again. Make me into that brand new person that you want me to be, a person who lives like Jesus lived. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Amen.